so good, so good to be in the house of the Lord today. If you agree, say yeah. yeah. Um, I think sometimes we, we just sort of subliminally take advantage or take for granted, I should say, um, being here. Scripture teaches us that several times a year the Jews... No matter where they lived. And before I get started, how many enjoyed Knowing God, the series? Come on. Um, man, I just, just, I just fed off of that. Um, every single message just fed off of that. But the Jews, no matter where they lived, they were required to take their families all of them, and, and travel to the temple. Um, take their families and, and go to worship together to celebrate what God had done for them. So they would travel, all of them, to the temple, which was, by the way, in Jerusalem. Um, so wherever you lived, um, and to kind of give you an example of that, Jesus lived and grew up in Nazareth, and yet uh, the temple was a hunt, well, almost 100 miles away from Nazareth in Jerusalem. And, you know, like for you and I to hop in a car, it's probably a little under a couple hours, and we're there unless you're, you're riding with me. And, um, and, and several times a year, each year they'd do this, and they, they, they would come from all over and travel back to Jerusalem. Everybody everywhere come back to Jerusalem to meet together at the temple. In fact, you may remember the story of Jesus <clears throat> as just a young boy uh, getting lost from his parents. How many remember that story? If you could just raise your hand so I know you're with me here today. Um, yeah, all across the building. You kind of know the story. He gets lost from his parents. Well, that's actually what they were doing. They had come back to the temple. That was where they were. They were all coming back. They were all coming from Nazareth to Jerusalem to the temple to, to worship God and to, and to celebrate. And, and they realized um, after they were already heading back home that the boy was missing, that Jesus was missing. And, and so, of course, um, they went back to the temple uh, from which they came and... They found Jesus there teaching the teachers um, as, at 12 years old in the temple. Today I want to read to you the 84th Psalm. And it's really a song um, written by the sons of Korah. And uh, they were on this, while they're singing this song, they're on this like track, they're on this pilgrimage, they're they're on this journey to the temple. They're on this road to Jerusalem, to the temple. And um, so the psalm goes like this. Oh, how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. The affection there stands out. They, they loved the house of God. It didn't matter if it was a tent or a building like this, you know. They just they loved the house of God. And, and they considered it beautiful. They considered it beautiful, a lovely thing. In verse 2, it says, My soul longs, yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My, my heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. I'll give you two cents and maybe not that for a dead one. The living God. 
their soul longed for God's house. If you replaced longed for God there in that scripture with maybe a term that we can all appreciate like appetite for God. Um, that's, that's the best way that I could describe it that, that might describe it even better. Like, like they're, they're so hungry for God. They're hungry for God and his house. But then most importantly, it says my heart and my flesh, they, they cry out for the living God. Verse 4 says, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They'll, they will still be praising you. It goes on to talk about the pilgrimage and the trek and so forth. But I'm going to jump down to verse 10 and say, for a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. Time spent in God's house was better, was more valuable than time spent anywhere else. How many feel that way today? If you think about the doorkeeper, <clears throat> just a minute, you got to realize that the doorkeeper is the first guy there. He's opening the door for you. And guess what? He's the last one to leave because he's closing the door. And most importantly, it's not because, hey, man, it's, it's my week to volunteer today, you know. It's because we serve a living God. And, and, and I get to be on the dream team. And I get to introduce and help people to the living God. <clears throat> it was a cool thing as the Hebrew traveling, uh, Hebrews were traveling the road with their family, passing towns. And when they'd pass a town, more families would join the caravan, so to speak. And, and, and they'd join them. And, and as they traveled further, more families, even more families would join. And they'd travel just a little bit further. And, and, and more and more and more families would join. And the number of people just got bigger and bigger as they traveled. And this was such a thing that they'd bring their tents and they'd, they, they'd set up a, a, along the roadside. And, and they'd bring you know camping gear and all that kind of stuff. It was a fun thing. The kids all got together and they're all playing and having a good time. And, and, and then the parents and the grandparents, they're all mingling and talking and, and celebrating. It was a really neat time. They made a cool thing out of this thing. They were going up to Jerusalem. They, they were going to worship the King of Kings and they were so excited about it. They would sing songs together along the journey. My wife, I don't care what she's doing. She's always singing a song. Be at home and, <clears throat> you know, she's working and whatever, you know, playing, studying, cooking, whatever she's doing, she's singing a song. She's singing. <clears throat> I love that. Kind of tells me a little something about her heart. I can see them all on the road as they're traveling to Jerusalem. And somebody like Crystal just breaks out in song. Maybe it's Elevation's greatest hits or something, you know. And, and, and it starts catching on. And, and, and the people start singing with her. And, and, and now this road for miles back, miles back are singing praises. And they're clapping and they're dancing as they're on their way to see the king, to worship the king. I'll never forget our tour guide in Israel on our last day as we're kind of getting ready to get on the bus and go to the airport to go back home, showed us this beautiful, I got a video of it. It's a beautiful dance. It was so beautiful to watch. I'm telling you, it brought tears to my eyes. It was incredible, incredible thing. Uh, this was a, a family thing, though, that they did, all heading to the house of God. 
singing and dancing and praising God. And the best way that I can relate this to some of you um, heathens, (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. Don't listen to me. I've been told this is a bridge that goes to nowhere. And uh, how many believe that's the case? (laughs) Mercy. I'm just joking around, just kidding around. But um, the best way I can describe this to you today, in today's world, would be um, like when a team is just like on fire. Um, in, in a town, um, like, I don't know if you remember what it was like, was it 2011 or 12 when uh, Freeze hit that home run in the World Series, and I mean, like, the town is just erupted, everybody's excited, and they're all, but in football, they do this thing called tailgating, and, and in tailgating, they, I mean, th- these things are elaborate, I mean, they're unbelievably big and elaborate, and they, they, it takes time, and it's an incredible thing. And they say, they say that the Kansas City Chiefs, that they are by far the number one tailgaters in football. By far, they say. And there, there are cities that they say um, are really good, and even they say Kansas City's got them beat, and it's going to be a while before somebody can can outdo them. So I got a couple clips here if you'll just really quickly go through them as I'm uh, mentioning this. But I got to tell you, um, you see some of the, the numbers of people here that we're talking about, and, and it's crazy. Lots and lots and lots of planning. I mean, days and, and, and weeks goes into uh, planning, tailgating parties. Every, listen to me, every Sunday, every Sunday, Here's a question for you today. How important is coming to church to you? Oh, man, it's getting quiet now. (laughs) For these Hebrews, guys, they'd be on the road for three and four days. Listen to me. Three and four days. It wasn't just an easy trip. When, when, when When we went to Israel, I remember... The bus ride seemed like forever, it seemed like, to get to Jerusalem. I bet you we went through Cana. I bet you we went through some towns, you know. It it sets up on mountainous uh, lands, and it was a trip up to go to Jerusalem. It was was hard sometimes for them. It, it It was, listen to me, it was far from convenient. Uh, to go to the temple, but there was something that meant more to them than a hard, tiring three or four day trek to Jerusalem to go to the temple. I think about what we've been dealing with today in our lives today, all of the restrictions that have come upon us with this COVID situation, social distancing and, and wearing masks and all, all worrying about everything that's going to happen. And, and we could easily, listen to me, so easily use that as an excuse like it's just, it's just not convenient. It, 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 it's, not, it's not like it used to be. But these Jews, after thinking about all of the inconvenience of the three-day trek, all of the hardship that comes with that, the main thought to them, the main idea for them was it was worth it. 
I mean, it was worth it. It was worth the trip. It was worth uh, packing up for the kids. It was worth packing up the food and the tents and for the camping gear and everything. I don't care what mountain they had to climb. I don't care what valley they had to go through. They made it fun. They made it a good time. Making memories uh, with their families. Making lifelong friends. And I mean that with everything that's in me. Lifelong friends. When I was a boy, our church was 30 miles away. For one, we walked both ways. <laughs> uphill or whatever that was, whatever that is. And, we, and, and I'm not kidding about this, although many of you think it's probably a joke, but we went five times at minimum a week. Five times. It was honestly the best times of my life. I'm just telling you that that was the best times of my life. I uh, just enjoyed it so much. I, 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 I met all these lifelong friends, and they became just incredible friends to us. I don't care what you're going through, they're there. That's the kind of lifelong friends I'm talking about. And, and, and um, we would do, I mean, gosh, we do all, I mean, you can imagine five days. We, we, we did all kinds of things, but just stuff that's popping in my head was we would do these auctions to, to raise money to help, you know, and different charities, different things, different events or whatever. And they would have these auctions and people would bring all their stuff. And I'm not talking about, well, I said stuff, but just their junk. I'm not talking about that. People would bring their cars. They would bring motorcycles. They would bring horses. We bought a horse. We bought a motorcycle. We, all these different th- kinds of things they would bring to this auction. And, and, and I'm telling you, the parents, they worked hard uh, trying to do all this and, you know, had the tent and us kids. While this is all going on, we packed up our pads, Andrew, and we put them on, and we were playing this little grass patch that's outside of the tent, and we're playing football, just all the kids just playing football. We just enjoyed it. We had a great time, a wonderful time, and we couldn't go to church, or at least I wouldn't let them go to church without going to dinner afterwards. You know, I'd say, where are we going? Uh, we're going home today. No, no, I'd be crying like baby, you know. No, let's go out. I want to go out with my friends. And we go to dinner almost every single time. Enjoyed, enjoyed. Oftentimes the parents would be, you know, uh, talking in the restaurant after we've long eaten by now. And uh, me and my buddies, we'd go out in the car and listen to, I'm really dating myself, the mystery theater on, on the radio, and we listened to the ball game and, and all this. I, we just had a great time. Friends for life from that church, and like family still today, and we'd do anything for each other. These are memories I'll never, ever forget. We did the same thing or tried to do the same thing with our boys, and that's why coming to God's house is so important. It's, it's, listen to me. It's a heritage. It's a legacy. You're, you're passing on the most important thing that you can pass on to your kids. And no, listen to me, no amount of money can buy that. Nothing can. In the U.S., we are so stinking blessed compared to any other country in this world. And I think about what's being going on lately in our country, the, the conflict and the disorder and the division. And, and I started, um, first of all, I, I'm not a news guy, but I started all of a sudden. I got hyped up. I got, I got, I got pulled in. I got sucked into the news. And I was watching the news almost, you know, like, it was almost like, Binge watching a show, I was just sucked into it. I was pulled into it. I was watching the news until all of a sudden the election happened. And then just like that, I stopped. I'm like, 
this is crazy. This is crazy. I thought to myself, it's crazy to think that someone, one human being is going to make the difference that we need in this world. And the Spirit of God just kind of slapped me awake and, and, and began thinking, well, what, what is it that might, that might change the trajectory of our country? And, and these things start going through my mind, like, could it be some really great government official? They, they do some pretty important things. And, and, and like, you know, public service can be an honorable uh, vocation, but, but no matter how sincere they are, they can only do so much. They can try to make the laws to, to make things better, but, but listen to me, they can't change a human heart. They can't heal a wounded soul. They, they can't turn hatred into love. They can't bring about repentance and forgiveness and reconciliation and peace and real, real, real joy. They can't do that. They can't get to the core of the problem that you're having uh, uh, with your brother or your sister or, or with your neighbor or with your child or with your spouse. And then I got to thinking, what about these other areas like with the employment rate being so high, what about businessmen like, like Jeff Bezos can, can maybe provide needed jobs, well-needed jobs. Teachers can teach us how to use our minds to change the world. Uh, self-help programs can offer methods to, to change our behavior. Advanced uh, psychological uh, techniques can, can help us be more self-aware. And those are awesome things. All of them are awesome things. But can any of them truly transform a human heart? I don't know where you place your real honest-to-goodness trust. I mean like when the rubber meets the road. But there's only one power that exists that can do that. There's only one power that can do that. And that is the power of the love of Jesus Christ that Pastor Dustin stood up here and spoke about last Sunday. The love that conquers sin that, that wipes out shame, that, that heals wounds, that reconciles enemies, that mends broken dreams, and ultimately changes the world one life at a time. As a pastor, here's what keeps me awake at night. It's not how to make money, although it probably wouldn't be a bad idea right now. <clears throat> It's, it's not about where I'm going to go for vacation, and that would be awesome too. But what's got my heart, what's got a hold of my heart, is that this critical message, this important message that we're talking about here, about the transforming love of God, has been given by God to you and to I, to the church, to the church, to the church. To you and I, to the church. And that means the future of this world rests in the hands of the church. One writer says, it's the church or it's lights out. Without churches who are so filled with the power of God that they can't help but share goodness and peace and love and joy into this world. Guys, immorality and corruption and wickedness wins. But I'm going to tell you something. Don't bother looking anywhere else. The church is it. The church is it. 
in Psalm 48. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, the mountain of his holiness. And then verse 2 says, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion, the church. Beautiful for situation. Beautiful for situation. And he said that simply just talking about the physical appearance of the temple, of the church, uh, that it was beautiful. But I want to twist that up a little bit today. And, and I want to I give a, different, a little different meaning to that because I believe it is so true <clears throat> that it doesn't matter your situation in life. Your situation, whatever it may be, the church is beautiful for your situation. The church is beautiful for your situation. If your life is in turmoil, go to the church because it's beautiful for your situation. If your finances are a picture of a wreck, then listen to me. This is where you need to be. The church is beautiful for your situation. If your marriage is a mess, if, if there's nowhere else you, you need to be but right here. The church is beautiful for your situation. If your child is heading down the wrong road, listen to me, the church is beautiful for your situation. If your heart is hard and it's calloused and all that kind of stuff, it's beautiful for your situation. If you're sick, the church is beautiful for your situation. If you've got joy, come and have some more joy. The church is beautiful for your situation. God loved you before you did your thing. You did your thing wrong. God loved you while you were doing it. God loves you right now while you think your situation is so jacked up. You may think everyone in your life has abandoned you, but I'm going to tell you something. The church, uh, 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 Pastor Devin, Pastor Dustin, uh, myself, as long as we're alive, we love you. We'll never abandon you. But more important than that, more important than that, Jesus Christ has never and will never leave you. There's hope here. There's faith here. The church is beautiful for your situation, whatever it may be. A pastor in Illinois shared in his book <clears throat> a real-life picture of the incredible potential of that transforming power that I was talking to you about earlier. He had just finished speaking at his church and standing around talking to people when a young married couple approached him and placed a blanketed bundle in his arms, asked him to pray for their baby. And he said, as I asked the baby's name, the mother pulled back the blanket from covering the baby's face and he said, my knees just began to buckle. And he thought he was going to faint. He said in his arms was the most horribly deformed baby he had ever seen in his life. The whole center of her tiny face had been caved in. And he thought to himself, how she kept breathing was just beyond him. And all he could say was, oh, my. Oh, my. Her name is Emily, said the mom, and the dad says we've been told that she's about six weeks <clears throat> to live. And we'd like for you to pray that before she dies, she'll know and she'll feel our love as parents. 
barely able to mouth the words he whispered, well, let's pray. So together, they prayed for little baby Emily. And as he handed her back, he asked, is, is there really, is there anything that, that we could do for you? I mean, as the church, is there anything that we could help with? Could we serve you in any way during this time? Any way that we can help you? And the father quickly responded, and he said, Pastor, listen, we're okay. Really, really we are. We, we've, we've been in a loving small group, a life group, for years, he said. Our group members knew that this pregnancy had complications. They were at our house the night that we learned the news of all this. They, they were at the hospital when Emily was deliver, delivered, and they, they helped us absorb the reality of what was going on and what this whole thing was, was giving to us or, or, or happening to us. And they, they even cleaned our house, and, and they made food for our dinners, and, and, and they brought it to, over to our house, and they pray for us constantly. They call us every single day uh, checking up on us, and they even help, they're even helping us plan Emily's funeral. And just then, three other couples stepped forward and surrounded Emily and her parents and one of the members of the group said, yeah, we're, we, we like to always attend church together as a group. And, and the pastor thought, you know what, this is a picture that he carried to his grave, he said. A tight-knit huddle of loving brothers and sisters doing their very, very best to soften one of the cruelest blows that life can throw you. And like this pastor, I ask myself even, I, I wonder, where would that family be today? Where, where would they go? How, how would they handle this heartbreak without the church? There is nothing like the church. Nothing. It's beautiful for your situation. Its power is breathtaking. It, 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 its potential is unlimited. It comforts the grieving and heals the brokenhearted. It builds bridges to seekers and offers truth to the confused. It provides resources for those in need and opens its arms to the forgotten and oppressed and the disheartened. Listen to me today. It breaks the chains of addictions and frees the oppressed. Whatever, listen to me, whatever the capacity for human suffering, I don't care how large, how big it is, whatever it is, the church has a greater capacity for healing and for wholeness. No other, listen to me, no other organization on earth is like the church. Nothing even comes close. It's beautiful for any situation. There was a woman in the Bible by the name of Deborah, <clears throat> and she was a prophetess. She was a judge. In fact, the only woman judge mentioned, I believe, in Scripture to my knowledge. And when the people had been invaded um, by their enemy, they lived all of a sudden in fear. And they were afraid now all of a sudden to travel on the road to go to the temple to worship God. They're in fear because this army would then attack them when they would be on that road as they traveled the road going up to the temple. And Deborah, in Judges chapter 5, verse 6, it says, In the days of Jael, the roads were deserted 
they were unoccupied. Nobody was going anywhere. They weren't traveling to the temple. And travelers went by roundabout ways until I, Deborah, arose. Until I arose, a mother in Israel. You see, Deborah saw what was going on. And it's a direct reference to the people taking their trip to the house of God. And she said, I saw the roads deserted. People were allowing, listen to me, they were allowing fear to keep them from the temple of God. And she's saying, I don't like this. I don't like this to see the empty roads to see on a Sunday morning in this country, uh, many who are not going to church. Deborah's saying, I I know I'm a woman, but if you guys aren't going to lead, then I, Deborah, will arise and be used by God. Because we've got to get our families back in church. God used Deborah in this way. Listen, I'm so grateful. I want you to know to me. This is from my heart. I'm so grateful for our online production team. Let's give them a hand here today. They they don't know, they're always in the background and they never get the, the praise, but they do so much work. And those of you that are watching online, those of you that have watched online, it's because of their sacrifice, because of their efforts that you can be able to do that. And I've been wanting to do this, wanting to stream for such a long time, and COVID just kind of kicked us right in the seat. And, and our team is so incredible. And I want to tell you something. If you're elderly, if you're one of those at high risk out there in this COVID junk, or, or you just don't feel comfortable right now yet, make, make sure you take care of yourself. That, that's the right thing to do. Trust me, there's no judgment here. You're our family, and we love you. But to those of you who are healthy, to those of you that are strong, who have, due to the pandemic, developed a new habit, a new habit of not coming to the house of God and your road to church is kind of empty from your car driving on it to church. The, the, the car that God blessed you with, you know? And, and you stay at home because you don't want to get out of your PJs, you know? Uh, uh, thinking, oh, I, I'll catch the online version, you know, after I get done binge watching what I'm watching on Netflix and, and, and catching up on that and, and, and my show there. Listen, in Acts chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all in one place. They were all in one place with one accord. And it says, and there, there came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. And that was the Spirit of God. That was the living God that I was talking about that came into that place where they gathered. How many are grateful for the presence of God that you feel here today? And anytime, I'm going to tell you this, anytime that you can get into a spirit-filled church, listen, we've never needed it more than we need it now. Your spouse never needed it more than they need it now. Your kids never needed it more than they need now. Your family never needed it more than they need it right now. In Psalm 122, chapter Uh, Chapter 122, verse 1, it says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go unto the house of the Lord. I read earlier to you Psalm 84, and it was a song written by the sons of Korah. And so everybody's going, well, who's Korah? Who are the sons of Korah? What's that all about? And um, Korah led a rebellion 
of 250 community leaders against Moses during the wilderness days in the book of Exodus. You can read about it. And God judged Korah and his leaders. <clears throat> and when I say judged, I mean they all died instantly. Gone. God spared Korah's children, <clears throat> grandchildren. But I want you to hear this. But for seven generations of Korah's family, seven generations, the sons of Korah were forbidden to come to the tabernacle. They were forbidden to go to the temple. And they're the ones who wrote this song, this psalm that I read to you earlier. Can you hear their hearts can you hear their hearts after not being allowed to go to the temple after seven generations? Psalm 84, how lovely, how, how lovely is the tabernacle? How lovely is your tabernacle? My soul longs, it, it faints even for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh, they cry out. They cry out for the living God. I know you all know this. There are millions of Christians all across this world who are banned from church. They're, they're persecuted. They're, they're even killed. If, if, just, if there's a suspicion that they believe in Jesus, if there's just a suspicion that they might be a Christian, forget about driving to church. If they're ultra brave, if, if like they want to risk their lives to find some place underground to worship God or to try to find the Bible, a place where they can hide and read God's word, they'd give anything. They'd give anything to just freely get in their car and drive to church. When we shut the doors for 15 weeks due to COVID, man, I hated that. I was on the call with the leadership team and they can vouch for me. I was like, no, uh-uh. We can't do that. Mask in church? No way. You have to sign a list to come to church? I'm, I'm serious. I, I really, I, I could hardly come to grips with all that. And then all of a sudden, the thought hits Pastor Steve after several weeks. And it seemed easier and easier to stay at home on Sundays. How many know what I'm talking about? Man, I'm going to tell you something. Something inside of me says that's not right. I had to wake myself up. God, we've got to get back to church. We've got to get back to church. There's no place like church. No place. My soul longs. My soul longs for you, Lord. My flesh cries out for you, God. And, and I want to be around, listen to me, I want to be around everything, everything and anything that has anything to do with church, I want to be around it. But mostly, I want to worship with you in the presence of the living God. For years, um, many churches had someone get up and ring the bells for their community. 
so they knew it, it's time to come together. It's time to worship God. And it would kind of sound like this. They would hear this sound all over the land. All over the land. And you know what that sound meant? Here's what it meant on Sunday morning. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get, get dressed. Get, get your kids ready. Get, get your family ready. And, and, and Come on, let's go to the house of God. Shall we stand today? Let's go, let's go to the house of God today. Listen, we, we may not hear these bells in our community anymore. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear this. We may not hear it physically in our communities anymore. But you should hear this in your heart. It's time to come to church. It's time to come to the house of God. You, you need to hear it. Even these bells, you need to hear it even when you're watching your favorite Netflix show. <laughs> you need to hear it even when you're playing your favorite video games. You need to hear it even when you're tired and don't feel like coming. You need to hear it when you still got work to do from last week, but you're going to try to catch up during the middle of service because never has there ever been a time when you've needed to be here more. Never. Never has there ever been a time when your kids needed to be here more. Never has there ever been a time when your spouse and when you need to be here. Never has there ever been a time when young couples in today's world need to be here in the house of God. You need to have that sound ringing in your heart today, ringing in your heart. Because I'm afraid, I'm telling you, I'm afraid that the bell for coming to church, for coming together, is being silenced in the hearts of people in our world. And I'm going to tell you something else. The enemy of our soul, the enemy of our life, the devil, is the biggest opportunist. And, and he'll take every advantage of any opportunity that he can to destroy you and to destroy your family. And now, here we are. So many don't get up on Sunday with the mindset, man, I've got to get to church. That bell was a reminder that you need to make your way to the house of God. Because the church, because the church is beautiful for any situation. For any situation that you can come up with in your life, the church is beautiful. Our hearts should, should be yearning like that appetite should be yearning. I, I've got to get to Jesus. I, I've, I've got to get there. I, I, I'm not going to let my family fall away. You know what? I'm not going to give up and, and turn away from God. You need that bell ringing in your heart today.